Today we are going to look at Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to talk about disciplined leadership, disciplined Hinnani. Hinnani. That is our word for the day. Hinnani. It means, here am I, send me. Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 3 first. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Exertes, when wine was served him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king had asked me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is the only sadness, uh, only time I had been sad in heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when my city, when the city, the place that my ancestors' grave lies waste, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? When we think about Nehemiah, when we think about leadership, the thing that's important for us to remember is what do leaders do? Leaders, first of all, show leadership by abiding. What do I mean by abiding? They remain where they are. They remain with God. They remain with their people. They remain in the last place that God spoke to them at. As Christians waiting on God, uh, it's often the hardest thing for us to do. We as humans are impatient. When I was uh, younger, in high school, I remember uh, having people, including the pastor, call us a culture of microwave people. The microwave culture. Although it's an oxymoron term, it is so true. We even have fast food restaurants. Today it seems like adult children want what their parents have to have today that took their parents 20 years to work for. We are an impatient people. We want what we want and we want it yesterday. We want to, uh, to step out of school into the world and take the world by storm. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. It takes time. We don't become millionaire, millionaire, millionaires overnight. We don't become leaders of corporations over time, over weeks. We don't become great leaders overnight. Some think that leaders are born. I'm under the impression that leaders are made. And part of being a leader is abiding with your people, waiting. But waiting doesn't simply mean that you sitting back and doing nothing no rather when abiding in God in Nehemiah's case he was waiting four months from the time that he got his uh, his initial report in chapter 1 four months before he served the, the king waiting on God doesn't mean we're stagnant it doesn't mean that we're lazy it doesn't mean that we don't do anything we know that he was probably fasting and praying. We know that he was probably seeking and planning what is going to happen when it's time to move. As leaders, just because there's nothing going on that people can see doesn't mean that we're not under the water scurrying our feet around. 
If you look at a duck in water, all you see is the beauty of the duck floating in the, on top of the water. What we often don't see are the feet underneath the water that is moving the duck. That is us with God. We may not see anything happening, but that doesn't mean that we're not doing anything. And may I say that as leaders, as Christian leaders, we should always be praying and reading our Bibles and doing our spiritual disciplines and doing the last thing that God told us to do, and then He will move on. When seeking God's direction in any given situation, don't just stand there. Seek God. Nehemiah gave us a good example. In verses 4 through 10, we see that not only do great leaders abide with their people and abide in the same situation, but they also are brave enough to ask questions. Verse 4 says this, Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Uh, God of heaven. Then I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me. And that phrase, send me, is important. We're going to look at that in a minute. Send me to Judah and to the city of my ancestors' graves, so that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen also was sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return so it pleased the king to send me and I set him a date then I said to the king if it pleases the king let letters be given to the governors of the providences beyond the river that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah and a letter to Asaph uh, the keeper of the king's forest directing him to give me timber and to make beams for the gates and the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and the house that I shall occupy and the king granted me what I asked for the gracious hand of God was upon me then I came to the governors and the providences beyond the river and gave them the king's letters and the king had sent officers of the army and cavalry with me. When Sanibalt and Horonite and Tobiah, the Amorite official, heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone should come and seek welfare for the people of Israel. The best question the best leaders ask questions. They want to know what the situation is. They want to understand the, the, the culture of the organization. They want to know where, what has been done, what is being done, uh, what needs to be done, how does it get done, what's the best ways to get it done, what motivates the, what's the purpose of the organization, what's the boundaries of the organization. We need to know these things. And Nehemiah had the bravery to ask the king those questions the best leaders always ask questions they ask questions to explore the options they question the status quo here nehemiah asked two questions the first we assume was in the form of a prayer as i mentioned it was four months from the time that nehemiah received the report and then the time that he came before the king 
And I imagine that his prayer went something like this. God of heaven and earth, grant me the grace and the favor in the, in the sight of the king that I may go back and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. If it be your will, allow the king to look at me on, with favor that I may go back to my homeland to lead the people to start a revival. We know that he prayed, and that prayer was probably a prayer of supplication, of asking God for his favor, asking God for his will, and asking God for his safety and his and bravery to stand before the king. We are told that Nehemiah was never sad in the presence of the king. It is important that leaders consider the cost before making a decision or asking questions. In those days, the cupbearer and those who served the king were, were never, were always to be upbeat and never sad or in a sad disposition. Anything that did not portray positive vibes were believed to be negative. So Nehemiah exemplifies for us for every leader's first step should be prayer. As a soldier, we should pray. As a father, we should pray. As a husband, we should pray. As a man, we should pray. As a Christian, we should pray. We should pray first in every situation. We should pray about every situation. Prayer should be the first option and not the last option. Too many times in the life of humanity, we seek our own ways. We find uh, our own ways through this world and when everything comes crumbling down and crashing down then we go to God we should take Nehemiah's advice and his example and we should pray first seek to glorify God ask him for forgiveness and seek his glory who is better to seek wisdom from through God through prayer God guides us in our choices and gives us wisdom and provides for us there's a story of a soldier in Vietnam. He was asked to take a platoon to a land, uh, loading uh, zone. By the time that he took his platoon to the loading zone, a third of the, of the platoon was gone. He made it safely, but a third he lost a third of his guys. Some months later, he was asked to do the same task. And his response was, why me? And he said, and the response came back, because you've been there before. You know where the landmines are. You know where the safe spots are. See, when we go to the Lord in prayer, the Lord has already seen what tomorrow holds. The Lord already knows what, uh, not just tomorrow, but next month and next year holds for us. And in that we can find confidence to ask the questions and to lead the people to where they need to go. Nehemiah prayed uh, before, the, before asking the king for his favor. He proceeded to ask to be sent to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. The request of Nehemiah was an act not only of prayer, but it was also a planned request. He knew what he was going to ask. He 
knew what his request was going to be. Why? Because he had four months to think about it. Before we mention leaders, uh, before we mention that leaders come in at, at five different levels, leaders who are intentional, who are prepared, who get results, find themselves at the highest level of leadership. We call that le level the pinnacle. Nehemiah, in the four months of waiting, was not static, but he was praying and preparing to ask the king for a request. And the Lord blessed Nehemiah. When leaders seek God first, plan, and are intentional on great, great things will happen. When we re respond or rely on God, we will get God's riches at Christ's expense. I mentioned that there's a phrase there in verses four, uh, 5 and 6. Nehemiah asked, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, send me. That's the word Hinnani. It's often followed with, uh, it's, it's often preceded by here am I. Saying Hinnani is an expression of total readiness to give oneself. It's an offer of total availability. Nehemiah wasn't just waiting four months. Nehemiah was preparing for four months. Nehemiah was praying for four months. Whatever God's will is, whatever the king's decision will be, here am I, send me. We see this throughout the Bible. God called Moses at the burning bush, and Moses responded, here am I. God called Abraham to sacrifice his long-awaited promised son, and Abraham says, here am I. God called Samuel three times and Samuel responded, Here am I. God asked, Who shall we send, who shall I send and who shall go for us? And Isaiah responded, Here am I, send me. Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As leaders who seek the pinnacle of leadership, must be people of action. We must be people who ask and take action. We must be ready to offer ourselves, not just to God, but to our people. Finally, in verses 11 through 16, we see that leaders show leadership through action. Verse 11 says, So I came to Jerusalem, and there I was for three days. And I got up and during the night, and I and a few men with me and I told no one what God had put on my heart for the kingdom of or for the uh, to do for Jerusalem the only animal I took was the one that I rode and I went up by night to the valley gate and passed the dragon spring into the dung gate and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem and had been that had been broken down and the gates had been destroyed by fire and when I went on to the fountain gate to the king's pool there was no place for the animal I was riding so I went up by the valley by night and I inspected the wall then I turned back and I entered into the valley gate and returned so and so returned and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing I had not yet told the Jews the priest the nobles or the officials the rest uh, and the rest that were with me to do the work the best leaders 
aren't the ones who sit in their high horse castle and looking out their fifth story window. They're not the ones in the corner offices. They're the ones out and about with them. They know them. They walk with them. They talk with them. They work with them. Nehemiah was willing to get up and to sacrifice this night to be with his men, to inspect the city, to count the cost. Jesus says, who would go to war without counting the cost? Or who would decide to build a city, a house, and not first consider the cost? We must count the cost. Leaders take care uh, of surveying every situation. They don't rush to judgment because that can lead to dis disaster. Maybe one should take a few days. Nehemiah said he took three days to inspect the situation, to pray over, to inspect, to make wise decisions. Leaders need to be people who are able to be trusted. Nehemiah didn't tell anybody what he was doing. Nehemiah held it. He was confident. He held confidence. He was able to hold things that were near and dear to him without sharing it with other people. And as leaders, you're going to be given information that you can't share with other people. You're going to have to be people and persons who are trustworthy. Leaders need to be thorough. We read that Nehemiah inspected all the wall. And when he got to parts of the wall that he couldn't take his animal, he got off the animal and he walked the land with his people. Nehemiah was a man of action. Finally, leaders show leadership through assembly. After he inspected, after he became a man of action, after he was willing to say, send me, then he assimilated the people. The great thing of the church is that when it, when everybody's assimilated, when we're like-minded, when we are all on the same page, when we have the same purpose, things get done. Great leaders do that. The difference between great organizations and poor organizations is how they assimilate people. The army does it through basic training. They do it through AIT. They do it through drill and ceremony. They do it. They do it through the different briefings. We wear the same uniform. We have the same standards. We have been assimilated, no matter if you come from the north or the south or the east or the west, whether you're Caucasian or black, whether you're Hispanic or you're Chinese, it doesn't matter where you come from, they've assimilated you. Nehemiah 2.17 says, Then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates are burned? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told them that the, that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me, and also the words of the king that had spoken to me. And then they said, let's start building. So they committed themselves to a common good. But when Sandabalt and the, uh, the Horonite and Tobiah the Amorite uh, uh, official and the Gesh Geshem and the, ah the Ahab Arab heard it, they mocked and ridiculed us, saying, What is this that you are doing? Are you rebuilding, or rebelling, rebelling against the king? 
Then I replied to them, The God of heaven, the one who will give us success, we are his servants and are going to start rebuilding, but you have no share or claim or historic right to Jerusalem. Notice what Nehemiah did here. Nehemiah once, one, gathered the people. He assimilated them. He gave them the game plan. He told them what, he, what God had laid on his heart. He had told them the conversation he had with the king. He assimilated the people. He got them all on the same page. He gave them bits of good news. When we won a total victory, we first gain small victories. And then those small victories become larger victories. And the larger victories become larger victories. And larger victories become huge victories. And then we win the war. Not only that, but as leaders, as the subordinates underneath us, as those who we lead see us being successful in small areas, we will become, they will gain, they will, they will come underneath us and support us all the more. And then... It says that he gave them a common purpose for the common good of the people. He says, then he told them to rebuild, come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. There's your purpose. There's your purpose. Let's start rebuilding. So they committed themselves to the common good. That's what we're about, the common good. When we see one another as our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we see one another as fellow humans, then we will decide and desire to do the same thing. We'll get on the same page, fight for the same good. Nehemiah gives us a great game plan for a great leader. Leaders abide. That doesn't mean that they're stable and that, that they're that they're stagnant, but rather they're continuing to work. Nehemiah tells us that we have to be brave in our asking. We have to be brave in our action. And then we have to be wise in our assimilation of the people. As we close today, I just want to ask you a question or two. I want to give you the opportunity today to one come to know the Lord in a more deeper relationship. Maybe you realized over the past weeks or months that you're not who you thought you were in Christ. Maybe you long for a deeper relationship with Christ. Maybe you realize that you aren't his child. I want to give you the opportunity to pray to receive Christ. Simply tell Jesus that you're a sinner. Confess him to be your Lord. Confess your sins, agree with him that you're a sinner, and ask him to be the king of your life. Maybe you're listening today and you realize that you need to rededicate your life. You need to resubmit yourself. You need to make a stronger commitment to who he is. Let him know that. Tell him. Tell him where you have failed and where you have stalled out in your life. Tell him that you want him to retake the will, so to speak. As you do that today, send me a message. Send me a signal message at 318-205-8587. May God bless you and keep you.